This is Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. Elliot, our next guest, a lot of people don't know, he was a great golfer besides being a phenomenal broadcaster for years on CBS. Yeah, Ken Venturi. We were able to talk to him the day after the Masters at Bubba Watson won. Well, it was quite exciting to watch. It is so, it's oddly enough, it, it, before the tournament started, I told the guys at the club, I said, and, and not saying because it happened, but I said my dark horse was uh, Bubba Watson because how far he can hit the ball. And, and, and Augusta was right up his alley as far as he can hit that ball. But it was quite exciting to see a, to see a double eagle and to see all the plays that they did. It was, it, it's a, uh, it's quite a tournament. Now, I'm, I'm not a good golfer, but, but there's more to golf than just hitting it long off the tee. There's other oh. shots you have to uh, to blend in with that, and he seemed to, to pull some rather remarkable shots out, too. Well, the thing about, about Bubba is not long off the tee, but, but, uh, but uh, being left-handed, he had a lot of holes that were in his favor, too. But he's, uh, he's a good wedge player, and... Uh, the weakest, I guess, the weakest part of his game is his putting, but uh, he did well there. And but it was quite an emotional victory for him, and I'm very, I'm very happy for him. What happened with Phil Mickelson there with that triple bogey? Why didn't his caddy grab him and say, "You're not going to try this shot going backwards"? <laughs> well, he does some shots like the shot he did the uh, Saturday at 15. There's nobody in the field I know that would would try that but he can do some shots that nobody else can but but the six at at number uh, four is is took him right out of it and of course uh shooting 72 uh was uh was uh got him right out of it but but uh peter hansen he uh he had 73 but and was only two shots out of the lead it was but I thought it was. I thought the. I thought the. Uh, uh, the playoff. The shot that Bubba Watson hit at ten. No one will ever know how great a shot that was to take take that out of there, and it was much easier for a left-hander than a right. But that was probably one of the greatest shots ever played at Augusta. What makes Augusta so special? What does winning the Masters seem heads and shoulders above anything else? It's it's tradition. It's the Bobby Jones era that they have, and of course, it's so much different than 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 when we played there. I played in sixteen Masters, and and I uh, did thirty three telecasts. But 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 they've lengthened the first hole. It's just so far back for our days, for our era. We couldn't play the golf course because one is is so long, and seven they've made that. That used to be just a drive and a pitching wedge for us, and now they've lengthened that, and then uh, uh, lengthened nine and uh, eleven. Uh, they've really they've really put some yardage in. Of course, you we walked off the fort. We walked off the seventeenth green right onto the eighteenth tee, and now it's it's a good forty forty yards back. And that is so they have really put some length on Augusta, but it's tradition and it's known that's. Uh, you know the green jacket and and those that have won there and played there and over the years, it's uh, it's quite a place. It's one. Of, it was one of my favorite places to go. And of course, Bobby Jones and I were very good friends. 
What was Bobby Jones like? Because you don't hear much about him other than basically winning the Grand Slam. He was an attorney. I mean, he seemed like he could do it all. Golf course designer. Yeah, well, he was uh, he was a fine gentleman, as, as best as I could do. And and uh, and the thing about it is that uh, uh, I talked with. I was very close with Gene Saris when I lived on Marco Island for 27 years. Mr. Saris and I were very close. And he said why he retired is he couldn't make the transition from from Hickory to Steel because from Hickory you're coming over the top to trap it and Steel you got to come on the inside and he couldn't make the transition and he decided to retire and but uh, he uh, there's an old saying is that uh, when you're good you can always get in it's knowing when to get out another golf great Byron Nelson was uh, one of your instructors. Yes, Byron took me under his wing in 1952. The, the two people that he really taught at all was I was first, and then Tom Watson was the second. But uh, I worked with uh, I watched Byron once, and he didn't I, he didn't know me at all because I was a young kid watching when the San Francisco Open at Olympic Club. But he uh, I was introduced to him by Eddie Lowry, who uh, who. As everyone knows, was Francis we met Caddy, but I worked for Eddie Lowry, and in 1952, uh, he came back, Byron came back to San Francisco and started working with me, and I was, I was a very fortunate, and then have the, the two, the two teachers I ever had was Byron Nelson and Ben Hogan. Those are two different personalities. It seemed like Byron was more calm and low key, where Ben was more intense and seemed like he could be, have more of a temper. Uh, Ben was much more within himself. Ben was the type of person that, uh, if you didn't like him, you didn't know him or you didn't know him at all because I, I thought he was one of the nicest people I've ever known. But, but when you think of that era, when you got, when you got, uh, uh, Byron Nelson, Ben Hogan, and Sam Snead and Jimmy DeMarriage, you, you're looking at an era that, and they were completely different. Different personalities. If you put all of them head to head, who was the better golfer among them? Well, I've got to uh, uh, say this: that uh, uh, Sam Snead was the most aesthetic; that he had the smoothest swing. Ben Hogan was the best at course management. Byron Nelson was the purest, straightest striker of the golf ball. When I took lessons, the First lesson, the pro gave me Ben Hogan's five easy lessons that learn this book and you'll be a good golfer. Well, if you can do it, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a good tip. I, I think you should use that. That's very good. It hasn't, wor- hasn't, wor- it hasn't worked yet, though. <laughs> yeah, it's like some of the great lines that, I, that uh, I'm glad I didn't use, but it's like if you read the book, you'll be, you'll be a good golfer. Is that... Is that uh, you know, like on television, there's been lines that, well, this is a very long hole, so the longer you can hit it off the tee, the shorter your second shot will be. And, or, uh, or a birdie will help him now more than a bogey. I said, lines I'm glad I never used. <laughs> what was the transition like going from golfer to golf analyst? Well, uh, I was very fortunate with Frank Chikinian when he gave me the chance in 19, 1968. I'd lost the use of my hands, and and uh, I, uh, uh, that's the one thing I think about. I, I don't regret if I had to choose anybody in the world. I, I choose to be me, but 
I often wonder what I could have done if I didn't lose the use of my hands where I was struck down at the peak of my career. But then when I went with Frank Chikinian and we did the CBS Golf Classic and working with Jack Whitaker and being taught by, by Frank Chikinian and, 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 uh, I, I, I work with the best there and, and it was a transition. And the great line is, I asked Frank Chikinian what I should say. He says, you say whatever you want, but remember one thing. You're doing television. It's not what you say. It's what you don't say. And that is what it is. Let it play. When you went to your Masters, almost won as an amateur, did you think, you know what? This is an easy course. I could do this every year. <laughs> well, easy for you to say, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> was that the highlight of your career, or was it the U.S. Open? Oh, the U.S. Open. If if I had won the Masters as an amateur, Bobby Jones said that I would, he was going to, in fact, they thought that I was going to going to uh, win, and, and they had always discussed they were going to make me the chairman of the uh, of the uh, Masters. But then, if I had won, there wouldn't have been uh, there wouldn't have been the U.S. Open, there wouldn't have been the, the tour, there wouldn't have been uh, so many different other things that there wouldn't have been television. And uh, there's an old saying that uh, that Jack Whitaker said once about me of what my fate, what my life has been. He, he said, fate has a way of bending the twig and fashion a man to his better instincts. So if I had to choose anything to be different, I, I'd, I'd keep it right as it is. What's it like being the runner-up at Augusta? You don't get a jacket. Everybody goes to the guy in the green coat. Is there still a certain sense of accomplishment? Well, it's, it's the way you handle yourself. And you talk about fate of doing things. Of course, when Palmer got the ruling and in 58, where I, where, uh, on the, the 12th hole that allowed him to win. And then you think about, you think about in 1960, I'm in the clubhouse and they talk about Palmer's finish. Uh, he, he finished 3-3-3 to beat me by a shot. Well, that's fine. The next year, Gary Player's in the clubhouse and he finishes 4-4-6. And you say, hey, <laughs> why me? What did I do? Did Arnold have an advantage having that army around? Because the way I look at it with Tiger, when you have that big of a gallery, it's hard to go out of bounds. You can't go out of bounds. At, I can't imagine ever thinking of out of bounds at uh, at uh, Augusta. I don't even know where it is. We never hit it that far. And you think about how far they can hit it. And, and they really don't slice it that much. Is that that they, they push or pull it? But uh, but Augusta uh, has, has the biggest changes. The greens are have changed from Poana greens to bent when they're great. But they got multiple pin placements, and uh, you can hit every green at Augusta. And I'll bet you you couldn't break 80 because of where to put the pin placements. Uh, it's not, you know, it's where it's not where you hit it. It's where you don't want to miss it. Do you like the changes that the technology has brought to, to the game? Well, it's changed so much when you think about it. You know, you, you know, you think about. It. They ask uh, you know, Hogan once, "Who's the greatest golfer that ever lived?" And he said, "A champion in his era would be a champion in any era he lived in." You can't compare what they're doing today with Bobby Jones with Hickory Shafts. And I look right. at the courses of what where they hit it today 
compared to what we used to hit it. And the golf, the technology has changed the game of golf just tremendous. Is it for the better, or you think it was better in the old days? Well, I enjoyed that era. I thought it was an era that uh, I know they make a lot of money today, but they'll never see that era again. I'm not talking about about uh, uh, the money it was, but the, but the era of, of, of not golf, I'm talking sports, entertainment, family, handshake. You'll never see a Yankee team again like that. Because they wanted the they wanted the World Series, they wanted the trophies. Money did not influence their decisions. When did the money start influencing the players' decisions? What what year around? Oh, it's just the. Well, you think about you know that when I won the Open, they just upped the prize. When I won the Open, I won seventeen thousand dollars, and uh, this year the winner made a million six. And someone said to me one time, "Well, you've got to remember that seventeen thousand went a long time in the way in those days." I said, "Not as far as a million six will go today." No. Yeah, inflation hasn't been quite like that. No, no, you know, nowadays a guy can win one tournament or or not even win a tournament. You know, have enough top ten finishes and lead a very nice existence. But back in the day, when those purses were 5,000, 10,000, 17,000, if you had to go out and earn a living. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what it did, because uh, I'm still defending the champion in Chicago, because uh, <laughs> they went from the Tamashana to uh, Chicago Open, and then they went to the Western Open. But they did an article a while back on me. In 1958, I won... Four tournaments and finished in the top ten fifteen times in the year and won forty nine thousand five hundred. <laughs> and they did an article and they took all the tournaments that I had played and all the prize money and everything. Today, eight million. Yeah, but that would have been a lot of taxes you would have had to pay. You wouldn't have wanted to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't mind paying taxes. Just give me the eight million. I'll, I'll pay my taxes. You'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. <laughs> yep. I'll figure a way to keep some of it. You probably made more money from being in a tin cup than you did when you won a tournament back then. <laughs> I, I got some some pretty good times at that. It's just uh, that was a that that was a, quite a quite a a movie that we had. In fact, in fact, uh, Jim Nance and I we. They were writing a script, and we said, that's not the way we talk. And he said, well, you, you guys go ahead and write your own script. So Jim Nance and I wrote our own script. So you're pretty good at playing Ken Venturi in the films. You can, you can handle that part pretty easily. I did exactly what we did on the tower. That's everything we've ever done, you know. But I like the great line of Cheech when, when they said that uh, when uh, I'm, I'm going for the green, he said it, it, that... Uh, he says, Venturi's probably saying that I should be laying up. And then she says, well, yeah, what the hell's he know? He only won the Open before you were born. <laughs> it was a, one of the great lines in there. Oh, <laughs> no, there was, we just played ourselves. I got that done. I, I flew in the day before, and we got out the next, I got out the next night. We were gone. Okay. Now, during your career, was there a favorite course you enjoyed playing? Well, I've always enjoyed my my favorite. If I had to be confined to one golf course the rest of my life, 
it would be Cypress Point, of course, that the book, The Match, the, by Mark Frost, of The Match We Played in 56, is, is probably the greatest golf book ever written. And if it wasn't true, you'd throw it out because it's really, uh, really phenomenal. And I proofread it oh, five, six times with Mark Frost. And the thing about it is that, is that uh, someone will say, well, tell us about the book, The Match. I said, well, I can't. I said, it's like giving you the end to a Hitchcock movie because it gets better as it goes, and once you pick it up, you can't put it down. You know what I miss with the Masters is the old days when you'd have Sarazen and Sneed and uh, Byron Nelson basically teeing off to start the ceremonies. I kind of wish they let Nicholas and Palmer and Player and, like, you guys basically start the match like they used to. Well... In 19, 1986, when Byron lost his wife, uh, that was the last year we did it. But but they both, both Byron and Gene Sarazen asked for me to be the honorary starter, and they didn't just we just didn't hit we just didn't hit a golf ball. We played we played nine holes, and and I had been retired a long time, and it's probably one of the best nine holes I ever played. I made four birdies and one bogey and shot 33, and 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 it was it was, and Mr. Sarazen when he went inside was telling everybody how good it was. But but uh, I played in 16 matches, as I said. But when I had to tee off in '86 with that, that's the most nervous I've ever been on the first tee. What do you think about Tiger Woods? What he did with his etiquette on the golf course, slamming the club down and doing damage to the course. What would Bobby Jones have told him? I don't know. He would have done some, but it's it's disgraceful. In fact, uh, in fact, I think what was it uh, that uh, he where he kicked the kicked the nine iron and and one of the announcers said that when he kicked the nine iron, he said he said, well, that's the most solid he's hit a nine iron all day. <laughs> Has golf lost a, a bit of decorum over the uh, over the decades? It's lost personalities. It's got you know you've had personalities. It says, you know, you look at the look at the entertainment industry, look at the movie industry. The, the, the it, every it was it was something to see when you think I I was very very close, very lucky in my era to be taught by Nelson and and Hogan and then my good friends is uh, Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin was my partner in the Crosby and people. That I've known, it's just an era that that they'll never see again. I miss those tournaments like the Bing Crosby, the Bob Hope. You saw the celebrities playing with the golfers. Now it seems like no one wants to go out there. But again, people enjoyed watching it. Watching President Ford hit the ball over the place. Well, the 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 thing about it with the celebrities is that you would never do some of the things that they do today. Bing Crosby wouldn't allow you to do it because. When I played with Dean and someone started making remarks and stuff, he would say, hold it down, please. My man is playing. And said, because the thing, they were respectful because now they were, they were on our stage. We weren't on theirs. How good a golfer was Dean Martin? Because I just envisioned him being up all night, so I didn't know if he would ever have time to practice his golf game. Oh, Dean and I played a, a lot of golf when he was in Vegas. We were there, and he'd have his cocktails on the stage and stuff. He wasn't drinking. We 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 would have he'd do his show and finish, and 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 we'd have uh, 
breakfast about 8, 8.30, and we'd play 36 holes. Dean was a good, solid 10 handicap and one of the nicest guys you ever wanted to meet. Who was the biggest celebrity you ever golfed with? Oh, it had to be, that's hard to say this. Oh, boy. I played with President Eisenhower. I played with presidents. I used to play a lot here in the desert with with Vice President Agnew. I played with uh, uh, I don't know. I just uh, I've, I've been around quite a few important people. Yeah. How good a golfer was Frank Sinatra? He wasn't very good. He wasn't very good. <laughs> he had a what good short. Number? He had a good short game. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it was off the tee. <laughs> you when you played with Dean Martin and these guys, I mean, were they as intense golfing as they were as being a professional actor? Well, acting, they took their own parts, but I used to play. We only lived a couple blocks away. Uh, Bing Crosby and myself, we played a lot of golf at Brunner Game Country Club, and and I and I knew uh, I knew uh, Bing for a long time, and. Uh, no, they were they they were very uh, they they played fast. They didn't they didn't hold it up and and uh, and were very uh, uh, very courteous. I mean, very nice and and respected the game. And and that's what it, when you look at the old celebrities that played that played uh, uh, in the Bing Crosby. Uh, if you didn't respect the game or your partner or anything or came in with a phony handicap, you were never invited back. So Bill Murray would have been buried under a green the way he acts out there. Uh, I don't think Bing would have gone along with that, no. Yeah. Of the celebrities you played golf with, who, who was the best golfer? Oh, gee. Was it Bing? Bing won, Bing won the first club championship at Cypress Point, and also he is one of only six people, I think, that made a hole-in-one at the 16th hole. Uh, I'd say one of the one of the best was uh, Jim Garner was good. Uh, okay. There's been, because I belong to Bel Air in and, and, and Los Angeles, and they had a lot of good golf course, um, uh, good players there. Who was the worst celebrity golfer? <laughs> Uh, there's too many to name. <laughs> I know I watched Charles Barkley with Hank Haney work with him, and that swing kind of was a train wreck. Oh, listen, I, with Barkley, I just uh, when they asked me about uh, about him, and I said, I think I see a swing in his floor. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure talking to you. Well, it's nice being there, and then, because uh, you're in Chicago, right? Right. And that's one of my favorite towns. In fact, the mayor daily named a day a day after me, and it's always been one of my favorites. And and I won the Chicago Open twice, and and uh, I've I've had so many great friends in Chicago, and knew knew both the mayors, and I had some great friends. And and one of my favorite all time places to go, and the people that I've met has been in Chicago, and so. Give them all my best, and and that's the one thing I miss when I quit the tour and and quit the broadcasting. One of my favorite places was to go to Chicago. Next time you come to Chicago, David could use a few lessons. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can afford. I don't know if I have. I don't know if I have enough time. 
You know, hopefully you live another 50 years and keep playing golf. But we have no tournaments left in Chicago. We lost the Western Open. We lost the BMW. We're tournament. Uh, it's a shame. I mean, that's that's uh, the Western and everything is in the Chicago Open twice. But Tam O'Shanna was the was the start of the 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 big money. The first prize, fifty thousand in those days, was unbelievable. Oh, it was incredible. I think, yeah, what, Jimmy Demerit and those guys playing back then and Julio's Boros? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Demerit had a temper from what I heard. No, and he wasn't bad. He was a super hand player, good iron player. And, uh, of course, he won the Masters three times. So that's not all bad. And Jimmy was one of my very close and good friends. Thank you so much again, Mr. Venturi. All right. Thank you very much. And take care and appreciate being on your show. We want to thank all our guests today, Tommy Heinsohn, Ken Venturi, and the lovely Katerina Van Durham. You said it better than I could. We want to thank our salmon, Dave Olson, and we'll tune in again next week. We'll have some kind of show. We can only hope. <laughs> <laughs>